Hey, Rockville, it's Susan Pittman. I'm in the garage with Jamie Espinosa. Jamie, how's it going? It's going well, Susan. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So do you have any resolutions, intentions, words of the year, anything like that? Present. So my big resolution for this year is to spend more time being present in the moment because I find myself in the last few years, my mind wandering too much and planning too much rather than enjoying what I'm doing in the moment. That's a good one. That's a really good one. I think one of mine, I'm still trying to narrow it down, but I think one of mine is traction. Like, I feel like I'm just on a, like, you know, those people movers in the airport. Yes. Like I just can't get my feet out and feet underneath me. Totally. Yeah. Just too much, too much work, too much this and that. So yeah, just get some stability. So we have a super awesome guest with us today. Um, Dr. Sharon Freeman is an expert in international development. She's lived all over the world, and she is our neighbor here in East Rockville. Sharon, it's so good to see you. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So, Sharon, tell us a little a bit about yourself and your work. Okay. I have uh, really focused on international development since I can't tell you the year because you would know how old I am. <laughs> but let's just say decades. <laughs> And during that time, I've worked with most leading development institutions in the world uh, that are international, but some that are, you know, bilateral, um, country-specific. But it all sort of, uh, the through line for my whole experience is trying to help clients achieve their goals that have to do with development. So what those goals are in order to achieve them, achieve them might be different, but um, I'm, I'm an expert in different parts of the process, such as as it relates to private sector development, helping to build the institutions that support that, and um, in trade, the same thing. So, so that's basically what I have been doing. That's a you said you described decades of international work very succinctly. <laughs> <laughs> if I went longer, eyes would glaze over out there. So can't do that. But that's the overall. Sharon, you've been doing this work for a long time. You're also an author, and yes. you wrote a book called Thirty Three Gems: Wisdom for Living Pieces of Life's Puzzle. And I know at least one Rockville resident is in here. Cheryl Kagan, right. one of our state senators. Um, do you have for us gems of wisdom for 2024? Like, what do you think, where do you think we're headed? And what might it mean? You work on a very macro level, but what might it mean for people in Rockville? Uh, I think where we should be headed is focusing on how to optimize what we're doing. So America, as a, you know, at first an experiment, and now we're at this point, we probably have more laws in America than the whole world combined, I would think. No one knows how many, by the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have, I have researched that. And, and, you know, multiples of that of regulation. So we're really good at that, which are institutional approaches to support you know, democracy and our goals. But what has happened is it's just so entangling, as you can see right now, with all the appeals, I have to say, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, in in the Trump case, it's like testing every one uh, of these systems to understand, you know, what, where's the limit? You know, what can be done and what can't be done? So like coming back then to at the local level, right? There are equal amounts of questions, you know, about what you can do and what you can't do despite all the laws and regulations we have. And we can't know for sure what the answers are until it's actually tested. Now, when I talk about optimization should be the goal, I really am so dedicated to that. That's my profession, operations research, and Mm -hmm. so we're always trying to get there in problem solving. But do we know where there is? And the answer is increasingly no, because we used to be we, 
but now we're not we. We are we and we are there. <laughs> you know, we and them, and we're so bifurcated. So where do we come together to understand really what we, the collective we, uh, wants to accomplish? So you can't actually optimize anything unless you know where you're going and there's an agreement about that. So we all understand what the social contract is. And basically that is a tacit agreement that this is what we believe that we stand for. And, you know, it has a lot to do with ethics, you know, morals and, and mores and values and all of those things. But now all of that is coming undone. Yeah. Especially, yeah. Yeah. We seem to have lost that common denominator of social norms and mores and common common understanding of basic morality and ethics. So, so can I ask a basic question? Based on the conversation we were having before we started recording, it sounds like you, you have traveled extensively. When you say we, what is your framework? Are you thinking we as a country? Or are you saying we as a world? You see where I'm asking? Yes, I do. And that's a good question. I, I said that in the context of America. But now that you've asked that, I do think uh, we as global citizens is, is actually what's important. And so the unifying principles of how we come together uh, has been democracy. But now the pillars of democracy are being increasingly questioned. And as they are being questioned, we, we have the bifurcated groups all over the world. Look what has just happened in Argentina, you know, in Hungary, uh, even in the Netherlands. It's, it's so shocking. It's moving more toward authoritarianism. And that authoritarianism at its heart is a rejection. It is a rejection of the we, you know, as a holistic concept. It's like we, our subgroup, want this. And you all want something else. And so it is really a very um, difficult time, I think, in the history of the world because we have been a leader and we're still leading, but leading in the wrong direction you know, in some cases. So what, you know. Yeah, Rockville and coming from Texas, I've still 10 years, almost 11 years in, I'm still kind of giggly that I'm here. Like, it's just wonderful to be in this area and to be in Montgomery County and in Rockville in particular. And I will talk to friends frequently about the bubble, the Rockville bubble. We live in this bubble of diversity and neighborliness and welcome in our town, in our city. Why, what do we need to be, what do we need to be doing as residents of Rockville to um, kind of get back to the we, and the bigger we? If we have a we here in Rockville, how do we, how do we extend that? How do we keep it and extend it? It's very difficult because, again, you've heard me use the word now a couple of times about pillars. And the reason why I say use that word is because I see everything as an ecosystem. And an ecosystem has a number of pillars, and those pillars cannot be uh, unconnected, right? That's why it's an ecosystem. The, the left part has to connect to the right part and all of these, you know, pillars have to come together. So we, what our ecosystem is, it can be integrated within our system, but as soon as it touches something else, there's a whole nother ecosystem to connect with. Right. And all of the sub pillars within that. So what makes the imperative to connect is interest, right? And that interest is usually economic. Mm -hmm. And then when it is economic, it can be competitive. So Rockville is, you know, uh, strong in pharmaceuticals and biotech, and that's our little slice. But every, you know, uh, county and, and district has 
what it's trying to do to compete, not just between counties, but all competition now is actually global. Mm-hmm. And so, and that that you know warrants a, a little bit of discussion there because what happened under globalization is that countries that can pr- provide goods if it's at a cheaper price and it, if the delivery schedule is um, is desirable, they're going to win. And then your industries in your local areas will be losing. So if you can import something into an area and the price is lower and you can get it quickly and it's you know reliable and so forth, and that keeps happening, it will put local businesses out of business. And some of the authoritarianist objectives now uh, really relate to I'm losing my economic wherewithal. That's the I personally, but also the we in the group. So again, coming back to the motivations to connect with your fellow man, your the, the county next door, there has to be mutual interest and that's becoming harder and harder. You know, in this country, we used to have 17 sectors that were the main drivers for the GDP. Uh, after globalization, nobody wants to talk about it, but I, I think it's about half of that now. We lost whole sectors. When that happens, people lose their employment and you know the viability of their towns, and then they, they get mad which brings us to an issue that's difficult, which is immigration. Mm -hmm. Every time somebody loses a job, it's like they made us lose that job. But it's actually way more serious than that, and it's way deeper than that. And I think one of the reasons that we have a problem is because when the nature of the economy changed, what's left that can be grown like let's say AI, IT, these kind of pharmaceuticals, that's not for the little guy. Right. And it's also not for people who are not highly educated. So you can look at some of the interior places in our country and when that furniture sector moved, when the textile sector moved, they didn't have anywhere to go. And you cannot retool from like a coal mining job easily to being an AI expert. (laughs) I mean, I think we can agree on that. And so, huh, what do we do? So I think in terms of planning, um, one has to be able to understand, you know, where the whole economy is going and then try to prepare people, as I know our Montgomery uh, Community College tries to do. They try to get ready, get people ready to to compete. But as I said, it's very, very competitive. So, but the shorter answer to your very specific question of how do we get out of the bubble, and I assume you, you meant to to basically connect more, you know, with the broader Montgomery County at first and all of Maryland, that requires a lot of understanding in order to know where are the points of mutual um, interest and coordination, you know, how, what part do you have, what part do I have, and how can we, you know, get that to come together. So that is actually very difficult. And I know I just uh, referred to the role that a community college plays in that, but still to really get all of that right <laughs> and teed up and you know uh, resourced to, to make those differences, it's not an overnight matter at all. Right, right. Okay, I've heard several gems of wisdom here. Focus on the we. Connect with others and develop points of mutual interest. Right. Diversify your economy 
And don't forget about the little guy. That's right. And in, in thinking about the little guy, um, I think it's very important to be able to make sure that you know entrepreneurs and small businesses understand all of the resources that are present at every level, not just the, the local level, but federal, state, you know, county, and so forth that can help them uh, to develop their business ideas and their, their business practices. So I wrote another book of that, about that, which is, um, you know, what is it even called? I don't remember. <laughs> so many. You've written a lot of books. I looked at your website. You are a prolific author. Yeah, 37 so far since 1999. So I'm like writing all the time. But the book title is more or less, you know, the U.S. Uh, system uh, of support for SMEs, the ecosystem of support for SMEs. And so what I learned, because I learn while I write, I'm not, not just spewing it out there. There are 34 subpillars of that. Oh my gosh. Right, like research agencies, the finance piece, technical assistance, education, and all of their subparts. So it's we really have a complicated system and people don't really understand that either including some of the ones who are meant to be the mentors to the small businesses. So who understands what about what is is a huge question. Finding the right person. Do you think our local regulations when it comes to small businesses are right-sized or are there too many layers of regulation? I really can't say exactly. Um, I was on the Charter Commission as the vice chair for two terms. That's six years. Oh my gosh, that's for <laughs> Montgomery County. That's for Montgomery yeah. County. So I was focusing on other issues mm-hmm. that are with were within the purview of the, you know, the charter. Um, but I do think, uh, generally as an expert on entrepreneurship development i i think that we have certain parts of the support system that are in fact not optimized yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't matter whether you're in rockville or philadelphia or where you are um like who is really deeply understanding <laughs> these things so let me give you a few examples Look at international um, intellectual property rights. That's actually a very complicated subject, but also an area of a lot of valuable resources. Uh, so for instance, patents come off you know, control after a certain period of time. And I know the Chinese, for instance, monitor this and they snap up you know, those things. Mm. And those can be the basis for new business ideas. But you cannot tell me you could find one business person in this, in Rockville, who would know that, right? Right. Let me give you another example. Okay, data, data is so important, Um, but we only know certain things about it. There's always many more levels deep about it. So for instance, if the four last digits of a zip code, do you, do you know what that means? Not really. No, no, I never met anyone who knows what it means, but it means something very specific and big businesses know what that is. So what they can do is they can request a run from the U.S. Census Department that is very particular uh, information about who lives in that four digit area. Because it, that's just that four, the last four, the, last the four. plus four is is like, that's a very specific set of streets, right? It narrows it, it down. Yeah. That's all it is. But you can know how much everybody makes, mm. how what education they have. Now, the American Community Survey of the Census Department will broadly tell you that. But if you want to market to people within a certain radius, and you could have that information, you can really know a lot. I have never met any small business owner who knew about that. Mm. 
So there are levels of depth of information that really nobody knows, you know, and including about financing businesses, marketing businesses, supply and demand, exporting, importing. So, you know, business incubators in, in general provide some resources like uh, space to work in, some mentorship and other things, but it's not enough, right? Not, not especially when you're dealing inter- with international work, I would think, because that's a, an enormous layer on top of just doing business in the U.S. Exactly. Yeah. And then when it comes to accelerators, which are different, that's mm-hmm. deeper, right? And, and that's more resources being made available. The companies are at a different level. But <laughs> another set of problems happens as far as that is concerned, which is that... Um, what some companies create as innovative products, uh, they are so high-tech often that no one understands what they're saying or doing. And so they just get all the money. Do we have to talk about Sam Bankman or others? It's like no one can, the investors can't actually understand what it is they are doing. So, so so-and-so said it was good and this one said it was good, so they invest. But do you really understand, you know, what that is? And that comes back to intellectual property. You know, these people who are scamming like that, you can't believe how many patents and, you know, and um, uh, secrets and other things that they have so that you cannot find out. So, so, so look at the situation that we're in. It's very, yeah. very complicated. Yeah. Yeah. So to shift gears just a little bit, you have lived all over the world. You could live anywhere you want. You've consulted with the World Bank, with USAID. Why Rockville? Okay, so I came here from, well, I lived in Hong Kong 12 years. Mm-hmm. And when I came back, I came back to America so that I didn't lose my family. I'm from Philadelphia, but I needed to be in America because my parents were older. And if I stayed longer, I wouldn't have any more connection. So I sadly came back. Let me tell you how much I love living in Hong Kong. <laughs> I so did not can, can want I ask without yeah. dating too much, is this before the handover by the British? Yeah, After, before. Before, okay. Yeah, before. Yeah. And so I wanted to stay there, but I came back. So then my question was, well, how do I want to live? And of course, even where did I want to live? So um, I thought about living always in two places in America, not to mention also still having some connection to Hong Kong. So I thought of like Wyoming, (laughs) you know, and went there and drove for, for miles without seeing a single house that was not going to work. And then there was like Boston with Maine with the little getaway place. Um, and then there was uh, New York with Connecticut and then the DMV area. And so what sold me on coming to uh, America is we were interested in polo and had some polo horses and experience. And then so you know, there was a big uh, polo operation in in uh, Polesville. And so we had some horses and we got involved uh, there. And then it seemed perfect because I decided to, uh, that I wanted to write books. So my vision was to, um, you know, walk a lot and think a lot and come back and write books. And it was only like 25 miles from DC, so it seemed perfect. But what happened is, Though it was only 25 miles, if you go to the end of uh, River Road, the first part of the end, there are no lights for 17 miles. And, you know, if you go to D.C. for for dinner uh, and then you try to drive back at night, we were like falling asleep. It was, oh, my God, it was uh, it was very, very difficult. So. Uh, so then, you know, my husband said, I think we should sell this. And I was so mad, sell it. This is like my dream, you know, what? And then I thought about it 
And then I was on it and I said, okay, it was just before some crash um, of real estate. That, that was 2008, mm -hmm. right, that, it had, uh, that that crash happened. So right before, my property was very valuable and so I sold it. And then I bought the land uh, here mm -hmm. where I have the house in Rockville. Why Rockville? Because it was the only land that was a, a, that you could build a house on at that time, because the property market was so was so hot. And so I never really heard of Rockville, but I loved to walk, and and um, I saw that the metro was like one block mm -hmm. from this land, and then they were building a new town center at the exact same time, 2007, that my house would have been ready. So the Rockville Town Center and my house were both ready in January 2007. And uh, I have really come to, to love Rockville. Um, it's very peaceful, um, it's very convenient. You know, Rockville Pike had been, I don't know the status now, but it had been the fifth uh, busiest, you know, thoroughfare uh, in America, right. and huh. so you could get everything on Rockville Pike. I love that, mm -hmm. and uh, I'll never stop loving it. It it really, uh, really, really works for me. And I, I'm a big fan of the Metro, and I don't have a single friend that rides the Metro. They're horrified when I tell them really? I ride the Metro. Ride the Metro. <laughs> <laughs> and they're so like they feel so sorry for me. <laughs> oh my gosh, I ride the metro. Well, not they, that often, but I ride it. No, no, no. People feel that it's dangerous. It's oh my gosh, lower class and oh. all of that. But I get on that metro, and I tell you, I read books and you know podcasts and listen to those and all of that. So I do uh, love it here. And when I uh, was appointed by Ike Leggett, who's in that book, by yeah, the way, so, um, to the uh, the Charter Commission, my goal there was just to really understand fundamentally what the laws and regulations are, um, you know, for this for this uh, county. So. I feel like I'm a part of it. And today I'm actually on the board of Glen Echo Park. Hmm. And that is very interesting for me because when um, our son was little, we used to go there all the time. And it was just so lovely and almost otherworldly. It's like really serene and different. Mm -hmm. So it's quite a, a pleasure to be on that uh, board of directors now. So let me ask you this. You started with talking about the we and, and that being important into 2024. And it sounds more, not necessarily aspirational, more uh, pragmatic, right? In that even though authoritarianism is rising in different parts of the world, the market forces that are pushing globalization, those aren't going away. So you're competing with people not only locally and nationally, you're competing with people internationally, right? right. There are many jobs now. It's not just me, it's people all over the world potentially could apply for that job. That's right. Um, what does our city, Rockville, and our broader community do right in preparing people mentally for that reality? And I ask this because as, as, as you noted when you were looking where to live, you know, I've driven through Wyoming as well. <laughs> and I don't know that a lot of listeners realize there's a lot of parts of this country where there's a whole lot of nothing. And I can tell you, having, like my wife's from the Midwest and, and living in many different parts of this country, that there's many people who don't have their minds wrapped around the fact that this isn't a local, you're not living in 1950s America anymore. You are, even, even if you hate it or don't even know it, you are a global citizen competing nationally. Totally agree. Internationally. So what does our city do right to prepare people and what could we do better? Because that's, to me, that's a cultural thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, so I'll, I'll stop talking. There. No, I think that's a great question. And um, I would say that what actually drives the economy, because in the end, that's what it comes down to, is what resources and assets do you have or are you developing? 
And I think at the hub of that is actually the University of Maryland. And it is actually, I think, growing and doing well. And I also think our community college um, is, is very important too, you know, in the scheme of things. And so I think if they get it right, and if industry finds um, the kind of assets in the educated people that they want, and of course, you know, all of the other profile issues about this place, like safety, you know, cultural diversity, whatever they're looking for, um, you know, that th that could make a huge difference. So now what was interesting to me that I had my eyes on is um, when Amazon was looking for a new location, uh, the, co the company that owns the uh, baseball franchise in D.C. and also Tyson's Corner owned White Flint. And so they didn't want to develop White Flint uh, until they could see whether they would be selected uh, by Amazon. They were not, you know, in the end. And now we have Pike and Rose and the more of that will be developed for, for that. But I never saw the analysis of what was actually the reason why we were not selected. And I think the, a better answer to your question, a more informed answer would be to have a look at that, to understand why we weren't the ones. So as I see it right now, you know, we're, we're sort of like specializing in pharmaceuticals, um, but you know, that's a very technical area, which means by, um, you know, as, as a consequence, you don't get a whole lot of new people coming in because of the highly technolized, you know, technical field. So the growth rate associated with that, I think has to de facto be smaller. So I don't know what Amazon was looking for to know whether like this is a big growth area or, or you know, how convenient. Certainly the Metro is a big plus, right. but they, they, they chose Crystal City, which equally has, um, you know, a, um, a Metro access. But I think the deal breaker might have been Pentagon. You yeah. know, it's very close to the Pentagon and what all that means. So, you know, I don't really know what the um, the growth prospects are and what would be driving that other than our main uh, sector preference. But I, I have to say right now, I'm very disappointed in the slowdown of um, the town center. Mm -hmm. You know, um, many of the restaurants have closed. And now that has a lot to do with uh, the supposition that a lot of people who worked in D.C. would have wanted to take the metro and come and live here because this is a safer environment uh, compared to D.C., which is increasingly the case. By the way, my, my friends say that when they have a package delivered, you know, on their doorstep in D.C. in the best, you know, neighborhoods, it takes three seconds for someone to steal it. Caroline. So this is not Rockville, um, you know, so, yeah, it's very, uh, this is a very safe environment, but uh, the whole, after COVID, the whole thing changed and a lot of federal government employees who could have come here uh, to work are not necessarily all going to work yet. Okay. Yeah, so it really has hurt us a lot. We, we see by the closing of the restaurants in the area that you know we just don't have enough hef and bulk and volume of people coming and going yeah 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 definitely so sharon i see you walking all the time yeah i've run into you from time to time right. on my way to and from work as i usually walk to work um what are some what are some other places you walk through town center on the west side of town what are some of your other favorite places to walk have you walked redgate park yet 
I don't usually walk that one, but I do usually walk uh, Glen, Glenview Mansion mm -hmm. and um, Needwood Park. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then I go to the west side of uh, Rockville uh, really every morning because since I walk 12 miles a day, I do half in the morning, half in the evening, um, I find that the, the brain really and, and the whole body system, it knows the meaning to the body of every step. So if you walk on the same path often, your body just understands how you're supposed to be feeling and breathing. And um, this is a huge commitment of mine. I've been doing this for many years and that's like half a marathon a day. <laughs> so I'm not doing that to like see pretty things or new things. I'm doing that truly for for fitness, mm -hmm. and the more I walk on the same road, um, the better it is for my own understanding and my brain's understanding of how that feels. Do my feet hurt? Does anything hurt? How am I breathing? And you know, so I don't really have the objective of exploring other other places for the walking purpose. Now, for the fun purpose, is something else, mm -hmm. um, but not not really for walking. But now I have to say, it's very safe. So this is a great Rockville feature because to do these twelve miles, I have to start really early, and the one problem I have now been having is. A lot of people are not paying attention to the um, the restrictions of whether you can make a left turn yeah. here or there. No, this is great, and I hate to, but I want to intercede with a question. I'm mm -hmm. assuming you've been a walker for a very long time yeah. and walked in different countries. Mm -hmm. What does Rockville do wrong? Because this is an issue that we're really focused on: is pedestrian safety. And so, what issues do you see being a walker? Well, okay, so. <laughs> You know, uh, on that main street where Kabuto is, yes. the, of Rockville, okay. So you're not supposed to be on that street, across the street, and turn. Right. Yeah, yep. left onto Rockville Pike. Now I'm getting that every day. Right. And it's happening while I am crossing the street. Once I had to throw my body on a car oh my uh, to miss getting hit. So there's not... Um, there's not enough understanding by the authorities of the danger. These pedestrian um, situations are incurring. And so I went to the police station not uh, that long ago and I said, listen, this keeps happening, you know, and I bought a special uh, vest so that I can be seen better. And they said, and I said, so what would you do? They said, well, they'll have uh, like a police car come and, and monitor that. That cannot possibly help. Yeah, I haven't seen anybody. Oh well, well even if they were yeah. there, you'd have. To, I mean, their their presence would possibly mean that the person would not make that turn. Right. So they're never going to see that. Right. But no, no, that's right. And as you're probably aware, there's a recent death in right. Rockville, right, of a pedestrian in, in a crosswalk. Mill, right, in, in a, a crosswalk. crosswalk. Right. Yeah. Right. And this is an issue that is getting more and more attention. A lot of people. Or watching because I think a lot of people there's more walkers more people over the last 10 years have decided hey I'm not going to drive everywhere I'm right. going to, to walk um, so no that's very interesting there in that area so I think more needs to be done uh, about that and I think that if we can um, you know invest in uh, these uh, catch-all you know systems so that they could ticket people for driving too fast can also use that same system for pedestrian violations. Now, the city wouldn't make much money off that, but that would not be the point. The point is to help save our lives, yeah, you know. Bigger than money. And right. having sure. been in other countries, I don't know that Americans realize how many cameras are in other countries to catch issues like this, mm -hmm. right? Like we're like we're just not used to it but in other countries cameras and when it comes to traffic safety is is very common right 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 so yeah okay we have an upcoming episode on staying motivated in the winter time to walk and take care of ourselves what keeps you motivated what motivates you to walk so much every day to take such good care of yourself 
Do you have tips for us about oh. how to stay motivated? And then the other part of that is, um, I, I'm gonna. I don't want to offend you. I know your husband Peter is an amazing cook because I've had his food. I just don't think I've ever had anything you've cooked. I'm sure you're a terrific cook too. But do you have recipes or any kind of like? Do you lighten food up in the winter time? Do you make a lot of like what? What do you do in the winter time? How do you stay motivated? When it's dark and you want to hibernate and eat cheese, uh, that's it. That's interesting. Um, well, what? Okay, so again, I'm not gonna say my age, but it's like really old. <laughs> <laughs> and so, when I see my numbers, you know, for all of my, you know, bodily, you know, indicators, it's just amazing. You know, 40 heart rate, you know, five level on the sugar, you know, high, really good cholesterol, low, bad cholesterol. Um, I would be quite exceptional in that regard. And some of that perhaps is genetic, but a lot of it has to do with this walking. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm so motivated by my numbers i want to keep them mm -hmm. because after a certain age um it's, it's the same for women and men but i mean like you could get broken down you yeah. know when i call my friends my age and i said how are you doing now there's this friend with the the hips the knees um diabetes and the heart and, and high blood pressure or cancer Somebody, you know, my friends have one of those things, and none of them uh, do this kind of exercise. So I find that it's not only because of the numbers, but because I write so much, as you know, I need to think, you know. So I write for like an hour, and I get up, and I could just walk around the block, and it makes, you know, the blood flow, it makes you like concentrate, think better. And so, and, and the breathing is just really so important. I, I do exercises while, while I walk and I just feel clear as a bell. And I, and I do attribute that um, to walking. Now, in terms of eating, now this, it wasn't a decision I made, but it just, it just happened. Like I stop eating at three o'clock usually. Like today I just ate before I came home. That's very late for me because mm -hmm. I stop at three o'clock. And then what happens is the body cannibalizes that food mm -hmm. <laughs> through the night to sustain itself. And the more I walk, the more I do that, I just have no incidence of, of hunger. I never snack ever mm -hmm. you know so that's it three o'clock no more food and i just feel so massively in control of myself yeah. and that makes me very happy because you know i've made it in this world through thinking and and, and entities that want you know really high level thinking in a in a systems way about how to solve problems many find their way to me. So it's important for my brain to stay sharp, which means the whole body has mm -hmm. to be together. And I'm not talking to anyone who knows that or feels that yeah. or participates in that with me. You see me by myself, I don't do. you? I do, you and yeah. your, sometimes your dog. Not not even that, not much. that much. Even yeah. the dog doesn't like it. That much. I think I saw, I think I saw Peter with you one time. Maybe one time. Um, but I'm doing this every day. I, you know, I will say since becoming middle aged, mm -hmm. those numbers are motivating. I don't know what it is, but when you see your sugar drop one year to the next, right. it's like I'm gonna I will be back in the gym on Monday to to do that intro. You know, I will. I'm not gonna drive to work. I'm gonna walk to work. I don't know why that is, but you're right. It is. It's a it's a an objective measure, right? That you can't. It doesn't matter what you say to your doctor. Your doctor's going to know you're lying when they run your blood test, right? <laughs> that's right. So it. I I agree that that's very motivating. And I have heard that cut your eating off early 
don't eat after I've heard after seven, after five. Think, I haven't heard anybody say they don't eat after three, but this, I but this I've is heard that. Anecdotal, but mm-hmm. I have I have it's not a strict six o'clock, right? Like today, it'll probably have to be later than six. But six is my goal mm-hmm. before six, and I've been able to keep off weight. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's helped me and Dave. Right we Dave and I don't we eat dinner at five or five thirty, and we don't eat after that. It's helped. helped so a lot. one thing I don't do with anybody is I don't, you know, really proselytize to say you have to do this, you have to do that. Even myself, like if I'm going to dinner at mm-hmm. someone's house, I would never say I don't eat this, I don't eat that. You know, I, I roll with it. I flow like the water, you know, yeah. and I really am not dogmatic. It's just, you know, if left to my own devices, that's what I would do. But, of course, you can invite me over and I'll eat all your food. <laughs> I will drink your wine. <laughs> Whatever. We are talking about food. We are. We are. You eat any place yeah. good lately? Any good Rockville restaurants that you enjoy? Well, I have to start on the sad side. I was so sorry to see Sushi Damo go. Yes. That right. that was really my favorite. And the start of the, the grand exits was Gordon Bears. Yeah. We used to like that. I mean And this is Sushi Damo Town Center, right? Town Just Center, to yeah, yeah. Town Town Center. Yeah. Um so that you know, so Gordon Beers was first, and then one after another, and um, and c- would you agree that there's clearly something wrong in that I ate at Sushi Damo. Sushi Damo was good. Yes. It wasn't. You know, there's a couple of restaurants that have failed there that I ate at, and I was like, well, that that's not gonna be around. But Sushi Damo should open, and Gordon Beers too right. should open people's eyes. Like, okay, there's something more than food or popularity going on. here. I, it must be, I just surmise, right. I mean, the rent can't be right. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I think there were issues with federal realty, and that's, that's why, right. yeah. So I'm hoping that with new owners for the last year and a few months that they'll start turning that around. Right, and I'm sorry, I cut you off. You oh, no, no, yeah. no. So, you know, some of my, uh, well, I, I, I still go to Kabuto. I mm-hmm. think that's doing well. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yep. Yep. The teppanyaki grill, that's really good. But like many others, I start floating over to Pike and Rose. Yeah. You know, for some of the restaurants there. And and I walk to Clyde's, um, the one that's called Tower Oaks. Oh, do you yes. really? I, I like that, the, the atmosphere. Yeah, that's and, a nice yeah. one. Yeah. Is, that, is that technically in Rockville? I think so, yeah. yeah. I, I think, think Tower Oaks right is. right at the yeah. boundary. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, that's really a nice good. place. Yeah, yeah I like Clyde's. So yeah. I think, you know, uh, in summary, Rockville is a great place. Um, and I, because of my international work, I, I have friends all over the world and they will all come to DC to the World Bank meetings or some kind of meetings and I get to see them all. I just take that metro. That's right. That Rockville stop and I get to them wherever they are. So. I don't feel like I'm really missing anything, you know, I still travel a lot, but if I want to be, you know, in this safe place that I am, and you know, my son, who's only um, 17 next week, he says, you know, Rockville is the best place ever, and he just listed the things, he says, okay, look at that place. You know, there's a gun shooting over there, and a, a, a tornado, and a flood. He said, we don't have any of that right. in Rockville. He says, no, this is the best place. In fact, he's going to go to college soon. He doesn't even want to leave here. <laughs> right. So can I bring up with the we and Rockville specifically, one thing that has attracted me to this city is diversity in the city something a lot of people talk about how nice it is and what but I don't know that people realize that the exposure that we get in Rockville is super important in being a world traveler and going to other places right like it is important if you want to make a way in the world to not be shocked or surprised or to be eating something for the first time if you can get those experiences, which you can in Rockville because of how diverse we are, it's probably better to, to do it now. So when you do go out in the world, 
and you interact with other people from different places, you are familiar enough with their background and culture. I agree so with you. That's you. You see where I'm getting? Because there's a lot of people in this country that won't, just won't, right? Like, like in Wyoming. Right. <laughs> right. And no, so that is something that Rockville can give our kids and, you know, so they can go out and conquer, essentially. And I'll tell you something else. I, I um, haven't spent a lot of time in Canada, but I just went to Toronto for fun uh, recently. And I tell you, they have such a diverse uh, culture. I think it's like all 87 or 97% of all news growth is immigrants. So everyone gets along because everyone is different. And I think here, you know, we have a lot of diversity too, and it does feel very comfortable. And in fact, I, you know, I'm not fluent in a lot of languages, but I've been a lot of places. So, you know, I can hit you up with a little Korean, right. some Mandarin, some Malaysian, you know, Bahasa, uh, Indonesian, and whatever. And so, when you say those few words to to people, they're like, what? Right. You know, did you say that? How do you know that? And then you can have a conversation, you know, about how, you know, you used to go to Korea a lot and so forth. So, yeah, it, it does feel really good. Uh, the only thing I'm a little concerned about, though, is the growth. And I need to study that more. Do you ever look at the American Community Survey? I don't think so. I don't know that I've ever literally looked at that. Yeah, write those words down because you can just Google that and they have all the statistics by area. So you can look in Maryland and then it will have everything about Rockville. And they just did the decennial, uh, decennial census. So, you know, I, I, I think the year is not long ago. So all that data you will see there, how many people are, you know, have households of how many people and um, education levels, earnings, jobs. I wish I had been smart enough to look at that before I, before I sat down with you. But I think you know we can all uh, look at that and and see where we think uh, we're going. Yeah, that's a good one. So at the end of every podcast, we 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 asked her where she likes to eat, and I will mention very quickly, La Speranza has opened up. Oh yes, I did eat there, but I'm gonna with. Hold my critique until you get a chance to eat. Please do, because we were supposed to go there together. Right, we, but we couldn't. And help we kind of, yeah, we couldn't yeah. help ourselves. And my, yeah. my family, we go out to eat once a week. Oh, good. And we always pick a new place. Oh, and that's smart. Almost always has to be in Rockville. Like we try, oh, we try. I mean, obviously, yeah. we have. You know, there's so many great options in the area. But and then we talk about it on the show. But I'm going to withhold. Okay. Now, where is that located, though? That is on First Street. Mm -hmm. If you know Jonathan's Pub House mm -hmm. and Sweet Bakery. Mm -hmm. um, on the way to Glenview. Oh, way, yeah, On the yeah, way to yeah. Glenview. There's oh, a little right. shopping center there. Yeah, there's a 7-Eleven right. right. barber in it's there. It's in there? It's in there. And oh. it's, it is Italian Tex-Mex. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, I'll withhold. We'll yeah. have a broader conversation. I think it may take up 30 minutes of our Okay, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Being from the San Antonio area, oh. I have a soft spot for Tex-Mex. I like a good flour tortilla. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, thank we'll you. Love. Okay, yeah. okay. Sharon, thank you so much for being here. It was such a, so great to see you and talk to you, and this was really informative and interesting. Well, thank you so much for having me and... I'll talk to you again. I will talk to you again. I'll see you. I'll see you on the way to work. All right then.